Hi everybody and welcome to the new episode of the End of Sales podcast. I hope everyone's keeping well who's listening. I'm joined by my co-host today, John, and a show regular, Francis. How are you both? Yeah, good, mate. Yeah, I'm all good, you? I'm fine, man, I'm fine. Can't wait to get stuck into these topics as well. And we're also joined by a very special guest, Colin Watt, from a Celtic state of mind. I did football and Samnick with Colin Watt, and I think we're down a storm. And I'm pretty pretty pleased about that, how we came across. How are you, Colin? I'm not too bad, mate. It's Friday. It's uh, The weather's looking good, so we've got the Celtic back playing tomorrow night. What more could you ask for? Exactly, man. I think, I think that's what we're missing. This international break takes the piss, so to speak. Like, I know there's some important games, but sometimes there's an interest in me and I just want the Celtic back then. But as you said, they're back tomorrow night, a game to look forward to. And hopefully, maybe a wee manager announcement, but we can't expect too much at the moment. But we'll crack on to the latest topics regarding the Celtic Football Club and the most striking one over the last 48 hours, so to speak, that Eddie Howe has been basically nailed on for the Celtic job. And the way I'm looking at it is, Yes, Eddie Howe's been touted around by Celtic fans for, for months, even stretching as far back as Christmas. And my co-host John even said that he wants Eddie Howe in when we even first started. And I think everyone, that was sort of their favourite. And now it seems to be coming to fruition that he's going to be Celtic manager. Obviously, there's a lot of stuff to iron out of the way and gets signed paperwork and it takes, a, it takes a long time to get that sort of thing through. But Colin, I'll go to you first. Seeing, seeing as this story developed in the last 48 hours regarding Eddie at Howe, mm-hmm. Eddie at Howe, what? Eddie Howe? <laughs> <laughs> That's his <laughs> brother. Don't know As a Celtic fan tonight, how are you feeling with that, that news coming out of Celtic Park? I mean, all we've been asking for ever since it was pretty much inevitable that Neil Lennon would believe in his post was a bit of encouragement from the Celtic board and the Celtic hierarchy that the next man that was coming in was someone that was going to really excite the Celtic fans, was someone that was going to encourage you to part with your season ticket money this year, which has to be massive considering the fact that it's now been well over a year since any of us were in the ground. Um, and kind of encouragement that this season might have been a shambles, but hopefully it'll only be a one-off. Um, and the appointment, or the imminent appointment, hopefully, of Eddie Howe, is something that should really excite Celtic fans. I mean, he's the kind of calibre of manager that, if you'd mentioned his name round about the time when you were trying to um, replace Brendan Rodgers, people would have said, no, he's, he's never going to go for that job. Um, and the fact that he's he's managed to kind of negotiate his way to the front of the queue, Dermot Desmond seems to have met him and to have liked him, and by all accounts, it's just a case of when, not if. Um, so I, I'm really excited for this appointment, and I'm hoping that it kind of starts this new era off in the right way. Yeah, I mean, for me, Eddie Howe has been my number one choice, and I've been I've been looking at a lot of stuff. I don't know if you've seen the the footies going around Twitter of him doing the training session, Colin. Yeah. Yep. Just, the way the way he speaks to his players and the the way he sets up training sessions just looks it looks fantastic from a player's point of view. He's always learning. He, he himself has actually went abroad to other clubs to learn different views in the game. And I think that's what a coach needs to do, especially in a modern-day game. Just rhyming off a few of his achievements as an individual, not even as a team manager, but he was the Football League Manager of the Decade. He's won the LMA Manager of the Year 2015. And he's also been the Premier League Manager on Manager of the Month on numerous occasions. Francis, how does Eddie Howe get you going? Does he excite you as a Celtic fan? Oh, very much so. Very much so excites me. Just like what Colin was saying there two years ago, I don't think when you're looking to replace Brendan Rodgers, I don't think you would have got an Eddie Howe. And it's maybe just timing similar to what Brendan Rodgers was. He needed a way back in. But I think Eddie Howe is the type of character we need in. Just similar to you, it's just, he is excited. He's got a philosophy, a style, how he wants to play and things like that. It's progressive. He always wants to go forward. He's like watching some of the YouTube videos the way he is. On with training, he's pretty hands on, and he's just he's a progressive manager, like forward thinking. Like, mad things like even down to the youth level, he, he got it in Bournemouth's youth under under 10s don't head the ball, so he's he's thinking long term about folks' players' development and, and their their health and stuff going forward. So, it's just like we things like that, I think, are a, a class touch for a guy. I mean, folk might mention some of the signings he made, like, he, he has spent big money on bad players like Jefferson Lerma, Jordan Ibe, but he's also seen guys like Callum Wilson, Harry Arter, uh, Nathan Aki and things like that. I mean, mm-hmm. when you're at a club for eight years, you're going to have bad signings and you're going to have, but the, the main thing is as if the majority of them are good signings, but yeah, he's definitely a manager, I think, that 
a lot of the Celtic fans will get excited about, and me personally as well. I, it was my number one candidate when all the names were sort of on the shortlist. Yeah, he's he's the only one that kind of strikes you with a bit of forward thinking. And I know there's been other managers such as the the likes of Benitez that's kind of just wishful thinking. Yeah. But then last week the rumour was broke about Roy Keane and everyone got their back up. And uh, Colin, I think Russell Boyce was the only one on on the, the Keane bus. He was through the park head, I think. <laughs> but uh, that, that's the sort of manager that we don't want to be linked with. Now, we got accused before in the podcast of attacking Roy King, but we weren't attacking him. We were just giving our own personal opinions just in regards to how we feel about him becoming a Celtic manager. And I think it's been pretty well well documented that most Celtic fans wouldn't want him as a manager, just stay as a pundit. And when Eddie Howe, for me, over the last 48 hours, has been getting stronger, the links, I've been getting more excited. It's like... When the whole Brendan Rodgers thing came about, he was like a long shot to get the job. And then suddenly, bang, he's got the job. But John, I want to go to you. I, I want to play a bit of a, a thing here in terms of, of an, a negative spin. So we've seen, I've seen a lot of fans, well, some fans on Twitter coming out and saying, look, he's never managed a big club or he's never been under intense pressure in terms of 60,000 people, a worldwide fan base, a, a club with fantastic history. Do you think that's a concern for Eddie Howe coming into a job like this? Or do you think it's just people plucking things out of midair? I think it's uh, pretty much people just plucking nonsense out of midair. I mean, obviously, coming into a club the size of Celtic, the pre- I mean, that kind of pressure, no many people are going to experience in their career as a player or as a manager. It's just part of the job. But, I mean, it's also pressure taking a club for a minus 17 deficit and keeping them up uh, under a transfer embargo. Uh, and managed to get uh, successive promotions and taking them all the way to the English Premier League and keeping them mm-hmm. there for five years takes uh, that's some amount of pressure involved in you as well. Um, so I'm pretty sure, and just the style of manager that he is, uh, I think it's something that he'll be able to cope with no problem. Um, and I just want to touch on as well, uh, like some of the stuff that Francis and Colin have just brought up there as well in regards to Eddie. I've, I've been an advocate uh, for Eddie Howe as well for a few months now. Um, as soon as his name was linked, uh, I was all for it. Um, I think if anybody with a sort of footballing head uh, takes a look at what he's managed to achieve as a manager, I'll see that he's a fantastic appointment. And I, I don't think you can overlook what he's what he's done in his career and for, for such a young manager as well. Uh, and you just need to listen to the guys that he's coached. Uh, and maybe no Defoe. I have got to never, say that. <laughs> uh, he, the problem with Defoe is... is he never got a game, so obviously, and he and he's at the other side of Glasgow. So, I mean, how positive is he actually going to be? But if you listen to everybody else, there's, I mean, there's various different sources information you can go to. There's videos on YouTube, interviews with guys documenting his own how and Bournemouth and what he's done at the club that are well worth watching. If you want to get an idea of the kind of guy that he is and the kind of manager that he is, uh, but it, it, I mean, it, he's he's just a fantastic young manager, and I think Celtic Park's exactly the kind of place. Well, we're the kind of club that need a guy like that forward thinking modern manager man manager as well and I think there's a lot of players in this Celtic team at the minute whose heads are down uh, and he's exactly the kind of guy who can come back in uh, and lift a lot of these guys heads up and maybe even persuade some of them to stay a lot of these guys that we might think might be or were on their way out uh, maybe if after they sit down with, with Eddie uh, or a manager that likes Eddie if he gets the appointment which I'm hoping is true uh, that um, they can sort of put them back, put them back on track, and get their heads lifted again, and get us back to playing some phenomenal football. See, when you take a look at it, and you take a look at some of the players that he's developed over his time at Bournemouth, it it kind of screams out that it should be the board's ideal number one candidate. He's a guy that goes and signs someone for maybe two, three million pounds, and then as they progress up with Bournemouth, you see guys like Nathan Ake, Cal, uh, Callum Wilson. Um, Josh King, Aaron Ramsdale, all going for about 18 to £30 million. You'd think that's exactly what the board's looking for and it sort of fits in with the Celtic philosophy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I think you're 100% right to point that out. I think it's fairly important going forward that Celtic find someone, as you say, a column that can get these players from obscurity, so to speak, bring them, develop them and sell them on at a high fee because I know the whole stepping stone issue with Celtic, none of us want that, none of us want to hear Celtic being associated with a stepping stone but in the climate that we're in big transfer fees are sometimes the only thing that gets Celtic a, a transfer budget because as we discussed before the Dermot Desmond hasn't really put a, dipped his hands in his own pocket to, in, in terms of investing in the Celtic but Colin, 
just touched upon the, the point of players, he, he's actually, he took Bournemouth from League 2 to the Premier League with some players you would call unfashionable, the likes of Steve Cook as centre-back and mm-hmm. all, them, all them types of players. And in terms of him going to Celtic, what do you think his demographic would be for sending new players? Do you think it would be more British and Irish-based? I think that will all come down to what budget's given to him. Um, I see that part of his coaching staff or part of his scouting team that he's looking at is to bring back Mark Burchill to the club. And Mark Burchill has been his chief scout at Bournemouth for a while now. Um, when you look at the purchases that he's made, he's kind of looked towards the, the Scandinavian market, he's looked at the British market. Um, and with the kind of incoming um, regulations that's brought in by Brexit, I think Celtic's potential market will narrow. Um, but you'd like to think that Celtic have bigger resources than Bournemouth in the, the sense of going out and actually scouting players and looking for this these kinds of talents. Um, to be honest, when you look at the Celtic squad right now, the average age is sitting at around 25. Now, everybody thinks, well, this is a squad that needs massively um, kind of changed. You need to bring in 15, 16 players in the summer. But what you've looked at really is a lot of players in that squad that have massively re- regressed over this season. You've took a squad that's dominated Scottish football for the last nine years, and this season, to put it in no better ways, has been a complete fucking shambles. <laughs> yeah, and that, that just goes back to my... And I completely agree with you, Colin, and that goes back yeah. to the point I was making about... I think a lot, we know these guys are talented that we've got in the team. I don't think there's any doubt in that, but like you says, there's a regression. that It seems that heads have dropped. It could be everything that's went on behind... I mean, I, I firmly believe stuff has went on behind the scenes that we, we as Celtic fans don't know too much about but there's obviously something happened because you don't just take that size of a step back uh, in, in that space of time and I think that, that like you said Eddie Howe is exactly the type of guy who can get back in speak to these guys and get their get their heads lifted again reinvigorate them get them back to their best and and, and they like say Ayer and that we know uh, in Cham we know in Cham's a quality player if we can get him get his head lifted again get Ayer uh, back on ball. Um, well, no, no that Ayer's needing it because he's been a standout for us this year, but, I mean, in terms of keeping him at the club and stuff like that, then the rebuild might not be as big as maybe some of us initially thought as well. Yeah. And as as well with Eddie Howe, you made a good point there, Colin, in regards to the scouting staff and stuff he, he wants to bring up, but touching upon the current staff that we have, Francis, with John Kennedy and Gavin Strachan, there was a report, I think it was from the Daily Mail, that says he would be comfortable with keeping them two on board. Do you think that's a good move, or do you think they should just go as well? I believe they should go as well and just get a fresh start. I would like to think that Eddie Howe's not accepting the job and having staff forced on him. I think if you're getting a guy like Eddie Howe in, you've got to give him, you've got to show belief in him, just say, look, right, you get your guys in, and it's guys that you trust, because at the end of the day, we've got to have some sort of rebuild. I mean, we've not got a club captain. We may talk on that earlier on, but you're needing to get he needs guys in behind him that he can trust. And I'm not a, like I'm against Kennedy and Strachan but if Eddie Howe's maybe got to come in to the remainder of the season, maybe Kennedy and Strachan is not a bad thing till then, just to sort of help him bed in a wee bit. But I think going forward. I don't. I, I would like them to bring in a lot of his own staff and and see the two go. I just think you need a sort of a refresh, start again, and and go. Yeah, I mean, Colin, I'm interested to hear your opinion on in terms of the staff. Do you think keeping John Kennedy and Gavin Strachan is just pointing towards what we what we've seen over the last couple of years in in regards to incoming managers or any new staff just being picked for them in terms of the new manager? I mean, first of all, um, if John Kennedy does manage to survive. I'd love to know what he's got on Dermot Desmond. That's four managers he's survived through. It is basically what it is, isn't it? Um, (laughs) That's four (laughs) managers he's managed to survive through now. But I'm I'm actually going to throw a curveball in here. I actually think it's not a bad idea to keep them in. Um, When you look at the kind of rebuild that was discussing just there, whether it'll be 15, 16 players, whatever it'll be, um, it's going to be a, a big rebuild no matter what. Even if it's eight or nine players you've got to bring in, that's almost a whole first team. Um, and having someone that's been at the club for that period of time, like John Kennedy, um, and Gavin Strachan's got his, his laptop, which has still got three years left on his warranty, so he wasn't going anywhere. Um, 
But having that kind of experience there can kind of help you settle into the club. I'd still expect Howe to bring at least one of his own men there. Um, I don't think, as, as Francis said, I don't think he's going to come in and accept this is the coaching staff that's been thrown upon him. You still think he's going to have one of his own that he can kind of trust in. But you've seen, what he, you've seen the likes of Kennedy and the respect that he managed to get from Brendan Rodgers. Rodgers wanted to take him to Leicester. Um, and it was Kennedy that decided to stay. So he obviously does have some sort of coaching ability. Um, but we've just not seen it yet at Celtic. And I don't know if that's just been the case of he's just kind of nodded and agreed with everything that Lennon said. And when things get bad, we instantly blame Tim and Strachan as well. <laughs> For me, they're they're like a double act, them two, aren't they? It's, <laughs> I, I, I personally believe that they should be shipped out too. And I, I know I can understand where you're coming from with familiarity. But they let the club captain go with uh, 14 years of service. They just let him go to Aberdeen without kind of a fight. And the way I look at Paul Kennedy, as you said, Colin, you would love to know what he has on the, on the board at Celtic <laughs> Park. He, what does, do you know what I mean? It's, he's been there for uh, Ronnie Dahlia, Neil Lennon's first stint, and Brendan Rodgers, and then Neil Lennon again. And it's almost like the me he's unsackable. I'd, as I said before in, in previous shows, I don't want people to lose their job, but people have to earn their job and earn their right to keep it. He's been a part of this shambles of a season. Then Gavin, yep. Strachan, Gavin Strachan comes in, and every time you look at him, he's just looking at this laptop. I don't know what it is, a shopping list or some blue movies or whatever he's getting into, but I, 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 I don't think it's what Celtic need at the moment. If you look at Eddie Howe's backroom team at Bournemouth, I'm pretty sure that was all his, because he, he was there for years. And there's people he, he probably trusts and he wants to bring with him. And just for example... If this proves a stumbling block going forward for Eddie Howe to agree, then what what we're left with? What scraps mm-hmm. are we going to be pick, picking up again? Now, John, I'll go to you. A name is seen coming up, not quite regularly, but just in, in the distance is Peter Grant coming in with Eddie Howe. Would that, would that be something that would be interesting to you? Because we've seen Grant coming in under Mowbray. Do, do you think he's changed or do you think it's, it was just a different dynamic then? I think it, it could be a multitude of things. Uh, Obviously, there's been a considerable amount of time since uh, Mowbray had the reign, so um, you'd like to think maybe that, that, that something's changed. And I believe that, that Peter Grant's worked with Eddie before as well, and if Eddie sees something in him, then I trust his judgment. If that's the kind of guy he wants to bring in with him, then we need to trust him. Um, same with Burchill. Uh, and especially if, you, if you're talking about like the Kennedy Strachan thing and having guys at the club who, who know the club and stuff like that to sort of help. These guys have also been there. They've, they've, they've played there. Um, they've been been around the club. They know what it means, um, so I think it can only help. Uh, and it depends on the level of involvement as well. Like I'd like to think that ed, any guys that Eddie's bringing in, um, ultimately Eddie gets the final say in everything, uh, and it, it all falls on him. So it it just really depends on what capacity the likes of Peter Grant is brought in under. And I mean, it, it's it's difficult to say. It, it's it, all this stuff is all just hearsay at the minute. Um, and and there's a lot of papers that I, I wouldn't even wipe my ass with. So <laughs> it's, I, I don't believe anything that's printed by some of them. So I think it just remains to be seen. No, I, I get to 100%. And if we look a wee bit further into the appointment in terms of his backroom staff and who he wants to bring in, an interesting name uh, cropped up over the last uh, 24 hours is Richard Hughes. Not many not, not many people know of him, but he, he's worked in Bournemouth set up in terms of technical <coughs> director and things like that. Colin, I want to come to you for this because you gave us some very interesting information at the start of the show before we came on air. But in, in terms of the, the setup, what, what way do you think this is going to work? Because obviously Eddie Howe wants his men in. As far Harkin's been waiting to be announced, where does that leave it? I think it will be a difficult decision for the board to make whether they want their first choice director of football or they want their first choice manager. Um, and I'll put it out to you guys, what would you rather the club went for, the first choice manager or the first choice director of football, considering the rebuild and the restructure of the club that's needed? Manager, 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 manager 100%. This is what I'm trying to get at, uh, Colin, as well. So, Richard Hughes, he wants in as technical director. We've seen Manchester United appoint a technical director and a head of football, a director of football, uh, mm-hmm. same name sort of thing, but... Is that something Celtic could work into the the recruit the, the, the setup the rebuild or do you think they just wanted Harkin in as an individual? I think Harkin would have brought his own team definitely. Um, I don't think when you look at the kind of rebuild that's needed at the the club, it's not going to be a one man job. When you're losing someone like Peter Lawwell, who, despite all of his flaws, was actually very heavily involved within the football inside of the business, probably more so as the years went on. Um, 
sometimes to the point where it would completely scupper deals. And I think we all know some of the deals that have kind of been lost thanks to Peter's involvement. Um, but you also see him kind of getting involved. You hear Brendan Rodgers and uh, even Neil Lennon saying, well, I've identified this player. I need to take it to Peter and see what we can do. Um, even to the point of uh, when we signed Marion Schwed and Brendan Rodgers had never heard of him before he arrived at Celtic Park. So... <laughs> You're losing a guy that's got that amount of experience. You're probably going to need to build, bring in a whole new team because Dominic Mackay isn't coming in with that football and knowledge. For what we know, he's a Celtic fan. Um, but just because you're a Celtic fan doesn't mean that you're able to run a business, identify players, go out and get the right players in, work on budgets, etc. Um, so it'll be an interesting time. And when you look at what Howe did at Bournemouth, it was all based in analytics. It was all based on sports science. So if he's completely restructuring this club, it's something that might bring it finally into the 21st century. <laughs> you make a brilliant point. I think Celtic, in terms of all the te- the sports science side of things, the, as you said, analytics and analysing as well, they've kind of been behind in the times. And that, especially as Neil Lennon's come in and totally ripped out the foundations that Rodgers left. A lot of people don't, don't like him back to the Rodgers era, Francis, but when that worked, it was fantastic to watch. And granted, yes, we had some bad results in Europe, but against top opposition in terms of PSG and teams like that, and that, that can happen. They could beat any team at a big scoreline on their day. But with Eddie Howe coming in and the the, the appointments of, to say, Richard Hughes and Harkin as director of football and technical director, the forward plan, would you expect that the plan to be make Celtic a name again in European football? I th- Yeah, I think that's got to be the goal. I think we've got to get a wee bit more respect back again in Europe. I mean, to, I'm loath to defend Rodgers in the sense of getting beat 7-0 and things like 7-1 and stuff of PSG because to defend Lennon, Lennon never had the types of results. Lennon mm-hmm. would change for that. Lennon would adapt and understand the level he's at, the level of play he's got where Rodgers seemed to, and it was the same when Rodgers at Liverpool, he tried to go toe-for-toe with some boys and got turned over in Europe. His European record is horrendous at mm-hmm. every club, yeah. but Apart, like domestically, you can't you can't fault Rogers, but yeah, I think going forward, we need to become more respectable in Europe. Like when you go back to, I mean, it's going it's going back a long time, but going back to the Martin and Owen Gordon Strachan era and that, that, when you were in the Champions League, it was almost like it was you were looking at the away games to try and pick up a point where you would pick up a point to go through because you were almost saying, well, it didn't matter who was in the group, the three home games you were winning, you just seemed to win games at Parkhead in Europe. So we need to get back to. Making Parkhead a bit of a, a bit of fortress, if you like, in Europe, no matter the opposition, because it was only like just over 10, 12, 13 years ago. You were, as I say, it was didn't matter if it was Juventus, didn't matter if it was Man United. It was you would beat these teams at Parkhead, just yeah. not saying comfortably, just you bet them. But and do you know what I, the thing I, is? Sorry, Stephen. The, the thing is, go ahead, backing, backing up on what Francis said there, Celtic haven't won a knockout tie in Europe since two thousand and four. That's how long it's been, and a lot of Celtic fans don't like doing this, but see if you take a look at the results that Rangers have had over the last two seasons, and how it's actually got them into a stand, and it's put their um, coefficient points through the roof. They're almost level with us, and we had a nine-year start on them. And we need to actually look at the coefficient, because I believe that the restructure of the Champions League is going on coefficient points, as opposed to sort of how you're... Obviously, you need to win the league and stuff, but I think the, your own individual coefficient points are going to help you in the Champions League going forward as well. And the thing is, when you look at it, the, the teams that Rangers have beaten over the last couple of seasons in the Europa League, that's the teams that Celtic should be trying to beat as well. And that's yeah. a level that we should try and be at, but we just haven't been and we haven't been in Europe for a long time now. No, it, it, I think it's, it goes back to what Francis has said as well in regards to home, especially home form. We've become kind of a soft touch in European football. You get teams like Sparta Prague and come to Celtic Park, not being afraid, just coming out, playing their game, and they go away with a, a 4-1 victory. That, that, for me, is unacceptable. And I want to come back to you, Francis, in the terms of the 7-1, 7-0, the scoreline. I wasn't defending Rodgers in that right. sense. I was saying, at least we were in European football, but right. the next step is to get a bit more respectable in European football. John... Is that majorly important? Is it going forward, especially in the next, let's say, three to five years, to get a foothold, foothold back into the European side of things? As Francis rightly alluded to, the Champions League, in the, I think it's two years' time, is going to be 
totally re replanned and restructured for teams to go in based on coefficient points. It, is it fatal, especially this year, that Celtic make inroads into European football? No, absolutely. And I, I think we as fans all want that as well. Um, one of the things, that, and, and not just from a financial perspective, it's hugely important because we obviously can't compete uh, with the kind of money that they're pumping into the English league uh, or any of the other leagues uh, across Europe, Spain, and uh, Italy, Germany, and stuff like that. The, these clubs are all on huge money uh, and they're all successful in Europe as well, these clubs. So uh, if we want to get ourselves back into that position, it's, it's hugely important that we start making inroads in Europe again um, and allowing us to start uh, bringing that additional money in. Uh, and as well as getting the sea fishing up, if it's going to become uh, integral to uh, the club uh, in terms of qualification going forward and the route that we're taking, then absolutely. And I think it's a must. Yeah, I think it's quite staggering, Colin, that I haven't won a NACA tie since 2004. I think that in itself is an unbelievable step. Um, it's it's almost as if when we get into knockout types of football, we kind of crumble. And then to top that off as well, the away form for years was absolutely abysmal. Mm-hmm. And as you rightly, you rightly said, Colin, you look across the road to the neighbours across the city, I know we don't like doing it, but we look at our squad and we rightfully think our squad's far better than theirs. But Colin, why do you think it is that they can pull results out of their arses in Europe, but we can't? It all comes down to tactics and structure, doesn't it? You take a look at the performances that they put in there, it's not as if they are going out and trying to play their own style of football. They're adapting to the teams that they're playing. They're matching up to their strengths and trying to turn them into weaknesses. And they're getting, I mean, they are getting a good stroke of luck at the end of the day, but you can't argue the fact that they've, they've went on this kind of run. That's two years in a row that they've got past the, the first knockout round. Um, yep. It's it's staggering when you think that this is a team only a couple of seasons ago um, that were getting knocked out by Luxembourg's fourth best side in Progress Nidacon. Do you know what I mean? You had uh, the manager shouting at the fans in the bushes and how far they've came <laughs> in such a short period of time. It's it's scary, but they've got a very solid coaching structure behind them. Um, guys like Michael Beale, uh, who has a phenomenal depth in coaching knowledge, um, and having someone like Gary McAllister there, as well, they, they've done well, they've got their coaching staff absolutely spot on um, I, I think if you took them away I don't think Gerard would have had the success that he's had and people will say he's not had a lot of success but look, he stopped 10 in a row and that's all that that's they are about it. exactly yeah. I think it's a, it's a, in terms of coming from a Celtic point of view it's almost, not that they expect, but it's it's what Celtic fans crave the European side of things and as you rightly said, Colm, it's been absolutely shocking, especially in the last two seasons in terms of our efforts in European football. We should be getting further and the teams that are beating us is, is a joke, like Furnas Faros and Sparta Prague and you're, you're, you're almost going there. They shouldn't be anywhere near our, near our level. No. But I, I want to go on to, to Scott Brown here and uh, Colm, I'm interested to hear what you say because obviously on the podcast we've all had our own views on it, but in, t- in terms of Scott Brown, he came out and said that one of the, the leading factors of him leaving was the uncertainty around who the next manager is going to be. Now, from my point of view, that points to me that they've only really contacted Eddie Howe in the last week or so, instead of doing it a month or two back. Is, is that what it says to you? Because I, I would expect that Scott Brown would be one of the first guys to know what's going on in regards to Celtic. Yeah, you would think so. I mean, it was only, what, maybe four or five weeks ago? Um, when Scott Brown came out in the press conference and basically said, look, my future's in my own hands. If I want a new deal, I'm sure I could rock up at Peter's office and we could work something out. Uh, to, to go from that to then saying, well, I'm not sure what my future was going to be, um, so I decided to go with someone I could trust. And I think that was kind of one of the key parts of that statement was the fact that he says someone he knows and someone he can trust was Stephen Glass, suggesting that he probably knows that if he was to stay at Celtic, he wouldn't get the kind of game time that he's looking for regardless of who came in the door. Now, it's not that Celtic didn't try to keep him. They offered him a one-year deal. It was up to Scott Brown to decide that he didn't want that one-year deal. He wanted to take the security of a two-year deal and the coaching role at Aberdeen, which is fair play to him. I mean, he's given absolutely everything to the club, and I think there's probably very few Celtic fans that would have said that he had the legs in him to give us another two seasons at Celtic. So if he thinks he can get it at Aberdeen, then all the best to him and he'll leave as a complete club hero and a legend. And um, it's just kind of sad that we don't get the chance to give him that farewell. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, for me, as I said before, uh, I, w- I wouldn't be too disheartened to see him go. That's not to say 
that I don't respect anything he's done. Uh, he's a he's a club icon. He's a club legend, and I've made that pretty clear, especially in the reaction to, to Scott Brown Eaton. But I just think it's a bit weird that he didn't kind of have a heads up, especially being the club captain of what was going on later down the line. If they spoke to anybody, or is it as as you said, Colin, that he, he wasn't happy with the one year deal, or the new manager coming in may not have played him. It's it's a lot of variables that we we'll probably won't ever know. Scott Brown will know that himself, and mm-hmm. as I said before. He will leave if everyone's best wishes, and he's a he's a club legend. He, I mean, come on, quadruple winning captain. It doesn't get any better. Not like he's nine in a row. He's he's a hero, especially for me. He's probably the best captain of the generation where I've supported Celtic, and that's going way back probably to two thousand and one when I really have my first memories of Celtic Football Club. Mm-hmm. He, a lot of people now, especially coming into this day and age, who started supporting Celtic around twenty ten, they don't know a team without Scott Brown. That's the type of guy we're talking about here. He's just the stature of the man himself, and he probably go to Aberdeen. I hope he does quite well. But Francis, I want to throw it to you in terms of Brown. Where are you standing on the things he was saying about the uncertainty around him having? It was one of the factors in him leaving the club. First of all, just also I've not had a, like I've, I just want to thank Scott Brown for everything he's done for Celtic and that. Just just to be quick, I just. 14 years, I mean, like you were saying, for me, he's the best captain that I've witnessed at Celtic. Just simply, that's down to age as well and stuff. But going about his comments, I think I find him a wee bit embarrassing for a club sense. That the, I mean, I think, apart from John Kennedy, I think Scott Brown should have been the second guy, at least, to know what's happening in terms of the manager. Because I think, obviously, due to respect to Kennedy, he should know if he's got a chance to be the new manager and whatnot. <laughs> But after that, I think Scott Brown should be the next person in line to say, look, this is where we're at with the manager. This is a plan. If this doesn't work, blah, 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 all that stuff. And yeah, I know Colin was saying, obviously he's been offered the one-year deal, but he wanted to secure it a two-year deal. And that's that's fair enough. I just find it strange that Scott Brown had to come out with these comments. It, just, it was weird to hear him say that that was the reason, that was the main reason for him leaving. And I think it's, a, it's, it's quite embarrassing to hear that for a club of Celtic. It's just another thing that's went wrong this season, really. Just another joke. (laughs) Yeah, I think you could go back as far as like when we let Craig Gordon and um, Johnny Hayes go as well. It's Mm -hmm. almost the exact same scenario. The contracts are coming up. Celtic offered them one-year deals and they wanted the security of a longer-term deal. Probably, I mean, Brown was on quite high wages at Celtic, I think. If you believe the the, the stories, he's on something close to 25 grand a week. Now, if he's only going to be playing a bit part, of next season, I'd imagine Celtic have offered them a reduced wage. Now, we can't confirm that, but you would kind of make that assumption. Uh, and that's exactly what happened for Gordon and for Hayes as well. And they've went, do you know what? I'm not going to get the game time. I'm not getting the same money. For that kind of money, I could go to an Aberdeen, a Hearts. And do you know what? Good, good luck to them. They've yeah. kind of given us the best years of their career, and that's all you can ask for. 100% agree. Yeah, I mean, I, for me, I echo both what you're saying. It's for me... As you said, Franny, it's embarrassing from the club's point of view that they couldn't even have a discussion with Brown regarding the future of next season. And if he still wanted to leave, that's fair enough. And his comments could have been different. But it just seems like everyone's been left up in the, up in the air, so to speak. And it, I, I don't know. It's like desperation at times regarding Celtic, and especially at board level. And as you said, I called at the start of the show, all we want is a bit of certainty from from the board and a bit of, bit of clarification of what's going forward. And that's not what we've been having. It's a lot of wish-washy statements coming out and one club since 1888. It's just trying to get fans slowly back on side. And I hope I hope beyond hope that Eddie Howe is nailed on and a, and a spanner will come in into the works, so to speak. But, John, just to go to you finally touching upon Brown, regarding that comment, do you share the same um, kind of feeling as, as Francis and Colin? Yeah. Um, I mean, I was surprised when he... I mean, there were certain words in there, like Colin mentioned the word trust. Uh, was a big one um, and uh, you got to wonder what I mean like I said there's, there, there's, there must be stuff going on behind the scenes that we don't know about that we'll likely never know about but the I mean we've we've repeatedly said for for weeks and weeks now um, about the lack of clarity for the board uh, and the silence being deafening and t- t- Brown's statement just shows that that was in-house as well uh, and it, it's a, it, it just it is quite embarrassing to think that, I mean, fair enough, if you're not coming out to the fans and you're saying to the fans, this is where we are, uh, this is what the what the plan is, etc., then fair enough. It, it, I, I, I think that we as fans deserve that kind of clarity, but to hear a player 
it's somebody a Scott Brown's a legacy as well, uh, captain to the team for so long. Uh, the kind of career he's had at Celtic and how important it was to the club uh, to to also come out uh, and publicly state I had no idea the the the, the lack of security or anything along those lines uh, was pretty eye opening for me, and it, it just shows again the the lack of or or the the apparent lack of direction for the board at the minute. Or the, I don't see I don't think they know what they're doing and that it absolutely baffles me and it's worrying if I'm honest no, you, I think you perfectly summed up, summed up there still in terms of the, the whole manager coming in we've actually had still no clarification for Celtic that the process is happening I know Desmond came out and said that they're they're doing their due diligence and yes fair play it seems like at the moment they are regarding the managerial candidates and I do hope it's anyhow as much I think all you guys do I think you still echo that want that pretty much confirmed as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. But again, just to echo what, what you guys said, just give us a bit of clarity, a bit a statement or something. Release a video like Dave Cormick does, Robert Dean every other week and tells him what's going on, what he's having for dinner. I mean, that's, that, for me, that's the, type of, that's the type of communication that we as fans, especially now we can't get into the stadiums, as Colin said, that we deserve, we need that. But just to move forward to a wee bit of lighthearted stuff and we can all take a, take a deep breath. <laughs> <laughs> As we said, some some of our potential signing targets may be pretty scenario based players. And Colin, go to you first for this. Just looking within the SPFL, is there any players that could interest Celtic, or any players you personally would take the Celtic? I know there's been a bit of a clamour um, to get someone like Lewis Ferguson in, um, but honestly, mm-hmm. I wouldn't touch him. I think he's a complete liability at Aberdeen. It, the only time you kind of see him on the stat sheets when he's picking up a yellow card. Um, and I don't think he's anywhere near good enough for Celtic. Um, players that I would bring in from the league, though, um, I'd be quite interested to see is bring in young Josh Doig from Hibs. I yeah. think he's got a really big future ahead of him, um, and the fact that he's been put into the Hibs team at such a young age suggests that he's got a lot of development ahead of him. Um, and someone I'm surprised we've not already picked up is Alan Campbell from Motherwell. Um, I think he's another one. I think he's another one with an incredible future in front ahead of him. He could be your next Scott Brown. He plays in that kind of similar role. He's got the digging tenacity in midfield. And the fact that he's played alongside David Turnbull before should be seen as a plus. Um, he's available on a free. I'm surprised somebody's not already picked him up by now. Yeah, I, I quite like Alan Campbell, as you said. He's like that midfield engine from Motherwell, the yeah. way he gets around the pits. And he's quite dogged. He, he reminds you of like a younger Scott Brown. Maybe not as gung-ho going forward, but... The way he goes about the pits and he gets in players' faces, I like him as a player too. I've got, I've got down here as well. From my point of view, I'm Segrist, the goalkeeper for Dundee United. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Jamie Hamilton for Hamilton Academical. He, he's a young centre back coming through. Maybe a prospect for the future. But Francis are puffed his lips, so I hope he has something. <laughs> I hope he, I hope he has something more interesting here. I'm going to go to you, Franny. Well, You're I just think, the spotlight. I don't under pressure now. I just think the Segrist one. It's I, it's folk are getting excited on a couple of games against Celtic, especially the last one. I feel off he faced twenty odd shots, but everyone was down his throat. I don't, I don't get the hype about the guy. I mean, if I, I don't know why to go to like Rangers, but if you're like, if you're offering me Al McGregor or Seagrass, I'm taking Al McGregor. Al McGregor hardly uh, comes against any shots week in week out. I just think Seagrass is. Celtic fans have got excited over a few games against us. He's at Dundee United. And he's got his stats, I believe, are a wee bit false because he's, he's got to be up against more shots. I get a, a team like Dundee United. I mean, it's a lot better than what we've got to offer. I agree there. But I just I think we should be aiming ham- higher for a goalkeeper position. I'm also going to disagree a bit with, with Colin and Lewis Ferguson. I accidentally rate that boy. But I can't, <laughs> I can't honestly see him coming to Celtic because I don't believe it's got to take stupid money to buy him for Aberdeen. And I believe, just purely because of the family connection, if he's available for a transfer, I think Rangers are going to be in for him. And for him, I don't see there's a decision. If it's between Celtic and Rangers, there's only one team he's got to go to. And but I did have, I have got just, I do like Josh Doig and the boy Campbell from Motherwell. I do like they two. I've also got a wee like I like Kevin Nisbet and Martin Boyle. Not necessarily starters, but Martin Boyle and and uh, Kevin this, but I think would really be good squad players, just be good maybe a day after the uh, the Sunday or Saturday after a European game 
There'd be good squad players round about at the SPL. Probably could do a job in Europe now and again, but that was such for the guys I had came up with. Kevin Nisbet, Josh Doig, Martin Boyle, Campbell, Lewis Ferguson. I did have Seagrest down, but it was more just simple. I think it's over a few games against yeah. Celtic. I think, Francis, all I took from that was you would have Al McGregor and Lewis Ferguson at Celtic. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> McGregor's better than what we're offering up the now and goals, let's be honest. Oh, no. No, I totally get where you're coming from. Lewis Ferguson, Colin, for me, I have to actually disagree with you again. I think Lewis Ferguson. <laughs> I think Lewis on. Ferguson. <laughs> I, I, I think I'm losing connection here, boys. <laughs> I, I think Lewis Ferguson could be a good player. I get what you mean, but I've seen him score some goals, especially from set pieces, and that's something the Celtic lack in the, in the Arab, a dominant figure. You think well, Christopher Iyer could do that, do well, that job? But what do you, what, I, I just looked up. Um, Lewis Ferguson's stats for this season and he has scored 8 goals 6 of those were penalties though um, and he's received 9 yellow cards this season he's got more <laughs> yellow cards than what he's got goals it just kind of backs up my stat he's a he's a hatchet man in midfield and I know you always get the people that say oh you'd rather he played for you than against you but honestly I don't think that boy's got a career much further than Aberdeen if he moves up to play for Rangers he'll be in the same level as Andy Halliday Oh, that's that's his level. He's nowhere near good enough for Celtic. We'll go to you, John. Have you got any players down that is, is different from the he's list? Just, he's just scrubbed Lewis Ferguson off his list. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did agree with uh, Lewis Ferguson. Um, I thought I think he's a decent young player. Um, <laughs> Doig as well. I agree with. Uh, I wouldn't touch any keeper in any team in Scotland. Um, I we need to. That's one area we definitely do need to sort out, and we can't be settling for anybody in the current SPFL teams. Um, a player that I do like that we have been linked with as well uh, is Declan Gallagher. Uh, I've always liked him. He's a pretty strong defender. He's a bit of a no-nonsense uh, player. He just gets the job done. He's no flashy or nothing like that. Um, and I can. Um, I don't know what... Good yeah, I, I believe he's another young boy, not necessarily a starter, but he's another young boy that's coming through um, the, the, the St. Johnson set-up, and I think he's one that we should be keeping an eye on as well. Yeah, I mean, I think Alan McCann is a great shout. He's a Northern Ireland, he's, he's uh, played for Northern Ireland and stuff, and he, he looks decent. And for St. Johnson and an average team, he, he's head and shoulders above basically anything they've got at the moment. I, I, I like Alan McCann. Um, Josh Dodge. I think could be a brilliant player, as you guys uh, pointed out. Al- Alan Campbell, definitely, Colin. Uh, I agree with you in, in terms of that. What about, I'm going to throw one out here, that may be a bit of a, probably no all round, but it's just a curveball. What about Sh- Shankland? Anyone for Shankland? Nah. Nah. Nah, I, I can't. He's just not managed to do it when he nah, comes up nah. to the, the top league. I think he's a fantastic championship striker. I was just uh, about to say that. But he, he's never really shown what he can do when he moves up here. Um, I actually remember he was on loan at Morton, um, which is my local team, and he was ranked rotten. So he's kind of one of those that's like, he blows hot and cold, and I think if he finds a team that gets the right ball to him, he can stick a ball in the back of the net. He's done it for his country as well, but that doesn't really say much when you've got Ollie McBurney as one of your top strikers. Um, So, I I mean, I don't think if you take that risk on someone like Shankland, um, the money that Dundee United's going to want for him, is it any better than what you've already got at the club? Yeah, no, I would agree with that. And can I just is... say as well, just and in, in, I know that it was maybe not to get as serious as this, but um, I think that a lot of the guys that we've mentioned, uh, some of them are definitely up and coming players, and I think that they might be they might be uh, starters at the teams they're at. But I mean, are they really good enough to start? At Celtic, and I mean, are they any better than some of the boys that we've currently got or uh, in the youth setup that we've got? But I would... see, 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 to come to you, John, and uh, sorry, Callum, but I'll come back to you. But see, to come to that point where you said there in terms of the players stepping up, if you look, if you look back in Celtic's history, the, t- the likes of uh, Barry Robson, Paul Hartley, yes, they were probably more established players, but they came in and did a job for us, even in European football. I, can't, I don't know what your opinion is in regards to the SPFL base players coming in and stepping up, but is that something that you think could happen, especially with the likes of Alan Campbell? Oh, definitely. I mean, you only have to take a look at what is the only real shining point of our season, 
and it's the performances of David Turnbull, Turnbull. that tells you yeah. that there is talent within the SPFL. It's just about making sure that you get the right ones and you give them the time to develop and to give them the game time to show what they can do. I mean, I think Doig, whether he would be a first-choice left-back or not, right away, I'm not sure. He'd probably take some time to settle. Um, but, I mean, what else have you got really coming through the club? You've got a boy, Adam Montgomery, um, who's been converted from a forward into a left-back. That shows you the depth that we've got at the club. So if you can bring someone like Doig in, he's really only competing against Greg Taylor. Now, boys, I think only 17, 18, he's going to develop. Now, how many of you would have taken Aaron Hickey at the start of last season? And you've just uh-huh. seen the kind of interest that he had. So it's it's a case of getting in before the bigger teams do. Oh, 100%. Yeah. I, I really do think Josh Doig could be a wee bit special. I think he could be a player. Yeah, just to I clarify think... as well, I'm not saying that they're no capable. <laughs> I was just asking the question. <laughs> John, there was a reason why you were demoted for four, four podcasts. Than we just... <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, no, I think we're pretty much agreed on the list, apart from obviously Ferguson and players like that. But obviously, <laughs> there's going to be players that, that defied opinion. Scott Brown did that at the start of his career, and even I, even more so. Um, but I think that's all part of it. For me, Lewis Ferguson, I've seen rumours that Griffiths could be used as part of a deal, cash plus player, but I don't know how that's going to work, what type of value we're talking. But just to move on, guys, to the game tomorrow, there is finally a Celtic game that we can talk about. And it's the Scottish Cup, Celtic v Falkirk. I'll go to you, Colin. In terms of the game itself, <clears throat> what, what are you looking for? Are you, are you looking for something different, a bit maybe a different formation, some different personnel? Um, first of all, I just want to say, if it was a half-seven kick-off in normal times, the amount of steaming people that would be trying to get through the tunnels <laughs> at Celtic Park is mm. unbelievable. I mean, if if um, these COVID times have given us anything, it's ridiculous kick-off times oh. that you'd have loved to have been at. <laughs> yeah. Like half-seven up at Pinkwall. Half-seven oh, up at Pinkwall would have been incredible. Um, whether you'd have made the game or not, who knows, but you'd have been on it from <laughs> early doors. Um, <laughs> I think we could see a couple of changes coming into the, the team for tomorrow's game. Um, and the first one, which I think might divide opinion, is I could see Barkas getting a start tomorrow. Yes, he's in my yes. team. Yes, that's all yes. right. <laughs> um, but think, leave, leave the predictions to later on, Colin. <laughs> I generally think he could get a, a game tomorrow. Um, and I also wouldn't be surprised to see um, the boy that we just mentioned, Montgomery, getting a start. Um, because there seems to be quite a bit of focus on him and Celtic's social media. Um, and I think Kennedy said in his press conferences he wants to see what he can get out of him this season. So there might be some interesting changes coming into the game tomorrow. Yeah. Are, are you expecting a different formation or even like a different way of playing now that Kennedy's had two more weeks of solid training on the ground? Uh, I'd like to see him go back to the 4 2 3 1. Um, but I, I kind of like that partnership up front of Eddie and Elanusi over the last couple of weeks. Um, and if that's an, a, an option that's available to him, um, especially against the Falkirk side, you're thinking this is maybe a, a kind of result that you want to go out, maybe stick four or five past them and get a bit of confidence going about the team, especially as we go for the Scottish Cup and just to get some sort of pride back out of what's left of this season. No, you're 100% right I think that, that, what that, I'm notifi- ex- that notification there was Kennedy sending me his team sheet to apparently we're all wrong. <laughs> <laughs> for me, I, I want to see a big result tomorrow. I want to see the likes of Montgomery get a chance. I'm still clamoring for the likes of Dem- Dembele and Oakleflex to get on the pitch and get some minutes. I think there's a bit of there's players in them both, and we're all pretty aware that they're going to be potentially leaving at the end of the season, which isn't great. But going to you, Franny. In terms of setup formations and the, the way the game's going to play out, are you expecting an exciting attacking game? Or are you expecting the legs would get the sixty minutes and their the legs fall off? I'm I'm expecting I I'm expecting goals and changes. I hope like Falkirk, yeah, yeah, they're top of the league, but they're two divisions below us. We are the home team, yeah, the crowd's not there and stuff. But I just think, we, like Colin was saying, we need to try and put a wee a wee shining star and I feel like on this season. We really need to go for the cup and then just maybe go and try and take goals and get a wee bit of confidence just and get a, like try and win the cup and start off great. Start off good in the cup and get a nice comfortable victory tomorrow. But yeah, expect hopefully some changes in the formation. Expect some changes in the, the personnel as well. But I've I don't know if Kennedy will bring in some youth players in, in that setup. I I think it'll be more the sort of a 
the squad we've seen, he'll utilise the squad a wee bit more what we've seen in the league. I don't think he's got to bring many youth players in. See, when you look at it, Francis, what youth players are left? They well, all seem to have been over the last couple of weeks. <laughs> Uh, youth players are the 25-year-olds. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> what, what about yourself, John, in terms of the game? Uh, I think we'll I think we'll win it fairly comfortably. I think we'll score a few goals. Uh, in terms of the setup and stuff, I'd like to see the change, like Colin says. I want, and I think we've, we're agreeing this previous weeks as well. Uh, the 4-2-3-1, I think, is a formation we'd all like us to go back to. But he says, Ellen, uh, uh, even if you're playing him as part of that three, uh, as an inside forward uh, to go and help uh, Eddie, but I don't, I don't expect anything. I have absolutely no faith in Kennedy's tactical ability at all, and he's proved that. So I don't think yeah. anything's going to change, and I'd be surprised if the personnel changes drastically. Uh, there might be one or two yeah. changes, but I can't see it being anything significant. Well, nicely, nicely lined up, John. We're going to move on to the lineup predictions now, in terms of what what we think's going forward. I totally agree with you, to be honest with you, John. For me, Kennedy, yeah, it's like it's like he's ringing Neil Lennon before these games, asking him who he should put out. I was ex- when he came in as interim manager. Yes, none of us wanted him, but just to put it out there, you're expecting him to change something or play differently or generally get the fitness up and what hasn't yeah, been yeah. achieved in the last last twelve months. But I'll go to you, Colin. What is your lineup prediction? So I've went with Barkas and goal, uh, John Joe Kenny right back. Defensive partnership of Ayer and Welsh and Montgomery and at left back. A midfield of Sorrow and McGregor. Um, a three behind the striker of Forrest, Turnbull and Elanusi and Eddie to take his uh, his place up front. Especially if he can replicate any of that form that he showed for France under 21s in the last couple of weeks. Don't, don't bring up international football, please, Colin. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> what, happened, what happened, boys? <laughs> oh jeez I, I, I made a point about that sometimes Celtic players look different when they're playing for their national teams and John and I think just destroyed me like never talking about it ever again in my life <laughs> but, Francis what about yourself in terms of lineup prediction uh, I've went for a sort of a 4-1 four, 4-1 one, four, one, if like, like just one Saturday I don't think we need two Saturdays against Falkirk all due respect to Falkirk I don't think we need two but I've went with Armand Barkas as well in goals John Joe Kenny, right back. Welsh, I'm bringing in Duffy just, I think he might rest higher. Uh, and then Taylor to play at left back if he's fit. Then Sorrow sitting with Tumble and Christie sitting in front of him. Again, I'm hoping he gives Callum McGregor a rest. Because the guy's just played 700 games in about two weeks. He just seems to <laughs> always play. And then Forrest to get a start out right. And I think he may play Laxal. Just gives a wee bit of stability in, uh, at uh, just defensively, and then play a, a yeti up top if he's fit. Again, I'm basing like a lot of players being a fit. <laughs> yeah, if fit. <laughs> what, what about what about yourself, John? What have you gone for? Uh, I'm actually going to say we we're, might even start Hazard um, and go. Um, I think the same back four. I think it's going to be Kenny Welsh, Aya, Laxalt. Uh, I think we're going to stick with that. Diamond formation, so I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, Sorrow might come in. Um, I'd be surprised if McGregor doesn't start, but just for this, based on the point that Franny there made, um, I'll say um, Christie will you probably take McGregor's job. place. No, I, I did, but I'm changing it. <laughs> so I'm, 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 I'm Christie, uh, Forrest, Turnbull, and. Eddie and Elanusi. Yeah. I mean, I was actually going to say, finally, John always sounds so excited when it comes to this part of the show. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's filled with joy. It's, a, it's much See, like all of Celtic fans. count to make sure he's not done 12 players. Remember, he's six, <laughs> six, players, in, he's six players in his five-a-side team. Oh, man. The less said about that, the better. But my team, I, I went for Barkas, Kenny, Welsh, Ayer, Laxalt, Brown, the, at the the defensive side of the diamond, Christie, McGregor, Turnbull, Eddie, and Moy. The reason I know I said there previously that I would like to see that these young guys been given a chance. I just can't see it happening. Yeah. That, that's why I'm going with the same old, same old type formation. As boring as it sounds, and as boring as it is most weeks, that, that's the way I see it going. For me, Barkas, Colin, just touch upon Barkas quickly. Do you think there's there's a keeper in him? 
I genuinely do. I think there will be a keeper that will see come out of him. I mean, it's so easy just to go back and look at his games that he played for the EK Athens and say, well, did we sign his twin? Because <laughs> we've just not seen the performances that he's put in for them. Um, I don't know what it is, um, if he's just not settled in Scotland. Um, but I think another pre-season under his belt, a kind of fresh start, it would do him the world of good. I would give him the pre-season, I'd probably give him right up to January next year and see what he can do. I generally do think there is a good keeper in there. Sad, I've been saying like, it for, well, been you know my, for weeks. You know myself as well, Stephen. I've, I, I agree with Colin on that. And I do believe there to outlay five million as well on a keeper, there must be something. And I've, I have touched on it before saying it mirrors a similar sort of similarity to David De Gea at Man United. He just didn't, he wasn't great for the first few well, then the man's Alex Ferguson stuck by him and look what he went on to achieve. He wasn't a bad yeah. keeper. I think there is, but some people on the podcast are laughing. We want to say that, but I've got your side Mo- in moving on. I, I, I disagree completely. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I didn't go to you, okay? <laughs> so, going to score predictions, Colin, what, what have you gone for? I'll go for Celtic to win 4 0 tomorrow. Ooh, clean sheet and all. I like that. What about you, Francis? I've went the same scoreline, 4 0. 4 0. John? I was going to say the same. I'll go for it then. I'm going to say, I'm going to say three 0 Ah, you're at it. You're at it. <laughs> <laughs> just, just to be different. I, just to throw a wee bit of your spanner in. I've went for two 0 I'm always pretty conservative when it comes to scores, especially we we don't see we don't know what we're going to get with Celtic. And as I said before, the sixty minute mark we usually puff out of our arse and let the other team into the game, and it's a constant thing within within the the current season. But touched upon goal scorers just quickly, Colin. Have you had a chance to think of who your goal scorers would be? Hello. Do you know I, I had to give myself a bit of time to think there because I had. Um, <laughs> I, 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 thought we, I thought we genuinely lost connection there. Sure it was a, it was all the Lewis Ferguson fans know, trying to cut me off there. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I think I think we'll see um, Edward probably get two. I'd like to see James Forrest getting a goal just to show that he is now back. Um, and wouldn't be surprised if we get one from a corner. So I'll stick Welsh on to get a goal as well. Nice. What about yourself, Francis? Uh, well, I've gave a 82 for this one, and I think Christie will have about seven shots, and one of them might fly in the top corner. And, and the other six will end up in the top tier of the stands. Yes, yes. <laughs> one, of them, one day, one will go back in. What about yourself, John? What have you gone for? Uh, Turnbull, Moy, and Eddie. Turnbull, Moy, and Eddie. No and who problem. was I just going for? If we go with the three, Turnbull, Moy, Eddie. If we go with the four, Turnbull, Moy, and Eddie with two. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I went for I went for Eddie at the double for for my two 0 But yeah, You're not getting uh, that's all. Nah, yeah, no, no, not getting Turnbull. I know it did, but it's kind of fell flat in my face last couple of weeks, hasn't it? <laughs> so I want to I want to change it up. Did it only other goal scorer in their time? But yeah, guys. In terms of the main part of the show, that's us wrapped up. We're going to move on now to the dreaded quiz. So we are. And thankfully, John has opted out of this quiz. So it's between <laughs> oh, Francis, yeah. Francis and Colin. So, Colin, not to put any pressure on you, but I did inform you that we're 4-1 up currently against the, the Celtic State of Mind guys. Yeah, and... pressure on me. <laughs> I, I got a phone call earlier from Tony Haggerty with some pep talk in the back of the net against you guys the other week so uh, I'm not promising anything ju- but I'm trying to get some respect back for the podcast here and just to put it out as well Colin I don't let anyone know what the topics of uh, quiz questions are going to be mainly because I do them as we're going on in the show so I'm just writing questions now. so yeah so it's first. To, there's five questions. First to three, whoever answers the most. I'm always. I'm not technical about it. So we'll crack on with the first question. First one to set gets it, obviously. So, what two clubs has Eddie Howe managed? Bournemouth and Burnley. Uh, Francis for me. I heard him first. There, Colin. Oh, oh. Oh, is, that, is that connection? I'm telling you. Something's trying to cut me off. <laughs> Hello, is it me you're looking for? And we'll move on to the second question. That was pretty good. Thanks very much. <laughs> Who is Celtic's all-time top goal scorer? Jimmy McGrory. Oh! Uh, one, one, one here. Nakamura scored two fantastic free kicks in the Champions Man, League United. against Wolves. Yeah, Francis gets it. 
What is Lee Griffiths' has goal tally? 40 goals. Oh, my Jesus. So this is the tiebreaker. In what year did... Now, you just had to be listening, boys. In what year did Eddie Howe win LMA Manager of the Year? 2015. I, I got that there. Yeah. So did I. Oh, oh, my God. I would, I would, I, oh. I would ask another question. For, uh, that was so It was cool. tight, like. It was tight. Oh, let's oh let's get VR on that. Come on, get VR on that. <laughs> right. The lines okay. in my computer are saying I got that. Right, I've got it. I've got another one. I've got another one. I've just fought the top of my head here. Thanks, guys. <laughs> what what do you call Celtics two training grounds? Lennox Town. What? Oh, oh, I just went blank, man. Yes. Cause... Yes. yes the points are on the board. <laughs> oh, I went for Barrackfield first. Plus, you said Lennox Town, and it just totally threw me. <laughs> Well, that's 4-2. Uh, that's, that's your pull too. Uh, hey, Colin, how do you, how do you feel? Coming back. Uh, I, I'd like to thank Tony Haggerty for preparing me for this. <laughs> thank my mum and dad. That <laughs> <laughs> no, was, was a good laugh, boys. Uh, it's been a fantastic show. Thanks again to John, my co-host, who's on with me. And Francis, thanks for coming on. You're going to be on the future, no doubt. Thanks for coming on as well, Colin. Appreciate that. And Colin, again... Again to you, it was a pleasure being on the football and Samnick with yourself. I know you have many more great shows as well coming up, but have you enjoyed your, your time on, on the End of Sales podcast? Oh, no, it was a good laugh, boys. I really appreciated that. And uh, do you know what? Considering the season we're going through, the fact that you can jump on this, have a good laugh, it's it's all that matters. It's what you'd want to do in the pub, uh, but we're not allowed. Yeah. Hopefully they'll be open soon. Um, but absolutely. no, absolute pleasure being on. And uh, any time you're looking for someone to talk nonsense about Celtic, you know where I am. Appreciate that. 100%, man. And to everyone who's listening, uh, until Tuesday when we're back on with a regular podcast, stay well and keep safe. Hail, hail.